0: What is up, coaches? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PowerLift. We don't just like PowerLift because of their awesome name. We also use PowerLift, Broken Arrow, and Ankeny to design both of our facilities. They not only have a good product, they also have a bunch of good dudes. They don't come off as those greasy bad car salesmen that you run into a lot of the time. Instead, you get to work with guys like former guest J.R. Conrad, guys that truly care about the game and your football team and want to help you build your strength program. PowerLift is a trusted program that has designed the University of Oklahoma, University of Iowa, Baylor University, and Mater D. High School's weight facility just in the last few years, along with many, many more. Let PowerLift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose PowerLift. Powerful ideas, powerful results, made in the USA. Go check out PowerLift at power-lift.com. Again, for any of your weight facility needs, go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com and tell them Run the Power sent you. Head over to the RTP store. We have two designs as t-shirts, long sleeves, and hoodies. We have our Run the Power and our Will Block for Food designs available. Go get yours today under the Store tab at RunThePower.com. Now you can run the power in any weather. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site football players, and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents, guaranteed. Go check them out at their website, teamattackacademy.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Kyle Murphy. Kyle's a former high school offensive line coach and former offensive lineman at Arizona State University and he's currently training offensive lineman in California. Listen as we talk with Coach Murphy about playing with and learning from Pat Tillman, being a team captain as an offensive lineman at Arizona State, and the current landscape of youth football in states like California. You can follow Coach Murphy on Twitter at warhogs 56 Hope you guys enjoy.
1: Kind of wanted to start off with you, you know, tell, telling your story, telling your, your struggle, telling your your experiences at Arizona State, and maybe we can hop into that because I know that was a pretty huge part of uh, you know who you are now as
2: a coach. For sure. Um, so uh, I actually grew up in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I didn't move down to Southern California where I am now. I'm in Huntington Beach uh, until I was 15, um, and then I went to high school, uh, played football where. For me, it was a completely different experience. Uh, up in Oregon, it was, it was something you did, but it wasn't taken as seriously as it is down here um, in terms of you know, year-round training uh, in the weight room. You know They expect you to work out when you know, you're playing basketball or other sports. So that was new, but had I not moved, I don't think I would have gotten uh, a scholarship to Arizona State to, to play. What's really funny is when I first when, – when I committed – uh, I went out to spring ball and I uh <clears throat> excuse me I went with my dad and uh I told my offensive line coach and my dad I said there's no way I can play here there's no way it's too big too fast like I, cuz I was only about 255 uh coming out of high school uh so I didn't think um I was going to be able to you know play uh, and then you know we struggled uh, in 94 so I redshirted in 93, and then in 94, we went three and eight. I started a couple games and was a backup. Uh, but then I started, my first full year starting was 95, um, but I actually tore my ACL um, for, and missed three games. But again, I was lucky, and it healed itself enough to where I didn't have to have it reconstructed, just scoped. Um, and then we went six and five that year just missed a bowl game after we lost to to U of A, which we were up 14 with seven and a half minutes to go and ended up losing. So that was a killer. Um, And then 96, you know, we, after losing in the way we lost to U of A, we came, you know, we, as a team decided, Hey, we've all got to stick around. We've all got to put in the time and the effort and it paid off. We ended up going uh, 11 and one in 96 beat Nebraska Nineteen um, nothing uh, after getting waxed by them the previous year, seventy-seven to twenty-eight. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but that I, and I've said this on Twitter. It's that Nebraska, that ninety-five Nebraska team is by far the best football team I've ever seen. Um, they were unbelievable. And then you know we were fortunate. Enough, you know we played really well the next year and, and won. We had you know we had some close games. In fact, uh, against UCLA in '96, we were down twenty-eight to seven and came back and won that, uh, beat USC in double overtime at home, uh, lost the Rose Bowl, um, unfortunately, to Ohio State. Uh, shout out to Kevin Modeman. That, that killed me. Uh, <laughs> but – and then in 97, uh, we went 9-3, um, played in the Sun Bowl, beat uh, Iowa in the Sun Bowl back when uh, – that was when Iowa had Tim Dwight and Tavian Banks. Um, And then that was – so that was my last year at Arizona State. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play uh, in the Shrine game uh, that year. But I needed back surgery. I I blew a disc uh, actually in – basically right around Halloween and played with it for the next couple uh, months. And then couldn't really do anything um, at Pro Day at Arizona State. I just didn't have, you know, any real flexibility. Got picked up by the Raiders via free agency, but then I was cut less than 24 hours after that. Um, that was tough. Um, that will, that, that will test your metal. You know, you get excited, you know, the draft happens, you don't get picked. Then, you know, a team calls you and you're super excited and then you go up there and you get sent home. <laughs> so um, sure. wow. definitely, yeah, definitely uh, had some trials and tribulations. I played in a semi pro league actually down in Mobile, Alabama. It's actually a very funny joke I've, I've told before. It's a uh, guy walks into a doctor's office. Doctor says, I've got good news and bad news. Guy goes, well, you know, what's the good news? He goes, or oh, sorry, what's the bad news? He goes, you have three months to live. And he goes, well, what's the good news? He goes, well, you can move to Mobile. And it feels like three years. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> um, That was more for me to prove, you know, that I could still play. Because um, I, you know, not having struggled, uh, you know, with the back injury, I just wanted to, and being cut, I just wanted to prove to myself that you know I could still do it, and hopefully, you know, get some film that somebody would take a chance. But you know, I mean, I had a good college career, but you know, I wasn't special enough to to where a team was going to take a, a chance on it, somebody who had had a back injury. Um, then, kind of, couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and so moved back to Southern California from Arizona and then decided, you know, what I really wanted to do was coach. Uh, so I coached at my alma mater, which is Edison high school in Huntington beach. I coached there for 10 years, um, made three CIF finals, which at the time Edison was in the top division, uh, in CIF in the Southern section. So, you know, played, played orange Lutheran, played servite, uh, long beach poly you got you you guys know Mercedes, who Mercedes lewis is yeah yeah tight big tight end for uh jacksonville correct so that Mercedes was on the long beach poly team that we that i coached against my very first year that we made the finals i mean that was winston justice herschel dennis deshaun jackson was a sophomore so just you know loaded with dudes um and we stuck with them for three quarters but they were just too much um but you know, coached there for 10 years, um, was let go from teaching that in 2009 was my last year coaching there. Then uh, my current school, uh, Pacifica high school in garden Grove in Southern California. I coached there for four years and then a head coach ended up taking another job that there wasn't a teaching job available. Um, and so from there I coached one more year and, and right now I'm just training offensive linemen and my wife's doing really well at her job. So it's easier for me to take care of the kids. Um, and then, you know, I joined the hog football chat, uh, basically this time last year. And it just has opened up, you know, an entirely new world for me from, you know, meeting guys like the two of you. Um, like I said, Kevin Lodeman, who played for Ohio State, who lives in Ohio, I went back and visited him and went to the Ohio State Penn State game. That's all because of the chat, you know, because he was on the Rose Bowl team that I played. in in 97. Um, and so it's just, it's been awesome. And, you know, then started watching the Charles Bentley stuff um, and just fell in love with it. And I've, I think I've learned probably more in offensive line play over the last year from connecting with, you know, so many coaches and via Twitter, as well as LaCharles Charles that it's, it, it's really been awesome. You know, I mean, there's no really other word for it than that. It's just, I, I like how I use Twitter, you know, I mean, obviously you can use it for, you know, kind of however people see fit, but I, I really enjoyed the sharing of ideas and how open, you know, the coaches are to helping one another. It, it, it's been awesome. So it's really rejuvenated. I mean, I, I, I fell in love with football. I love football. Um, but it just, you know, just kind of took it up to just another level. So that's kind of a short summary of um, where I am now. And, and kind of how I got there.
0: To, to piggyback off of that I think the cool part about the chats is you know they're all of them are great and there's a lot of good ones but the cool thing about the hog chat is is it's a lot of guys that used to play offensive line and we've talked about this a few times on the podcast but I'm not I'm not sure what it is but it seems like when you get a couple offensive linemen former offensive linemen together they're almost friends automatically I mean you almost can't help but be friends with other offensive linemen you're just so much alike so it's Uh, But they're not necessarily very much out there people. So with those Twitter and with Twitter and the uh, hog football chats, kind of gives them a place to hang out. And then as soon as you meet them, obviously, like you said, it's coaches are extremely open, especially with other offensive line coaches. And part of it's a little bit of bragging, but the majority Mm -hmm. of it is uh, is really wanting to help other people out and try to learn from other people, which makes it nice. And like you said, it's cool to meet. Um, I haven't got to run into this yet, but it would be really awesome to find out that some other coaches, uh, that's on Twitter that I'm talking back and forth with, uh, was someone I played against in college.
2: Yeah, it was Kevin actually ended up texting me and just, you know, said, Hey, are you Kyle Murphy? Were you on Arizona State? And 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 really, to your point, um, I consider him, you know, a really good friend, and I've only, you know, talking to him for a year. It's just, I I agree with you. I think it's the sacrifice, you know, as offensive linemen, you know, what our job is and what we really enjoy doing is watching other people succeed, you know, um, and then how that piggybacks as you onto the team. Um, and, And we are selfless. And I think that selflessness carries over into discussions where people are, you know, willing to share ideas. But it is. There's just something different about offensive linemen, right? You know, you're a unit. Um, you can't have success without the you know the guy to your to your right and left, and, and that bond carries over. I mean, some of my you know best friends are still the offensive linemen I played with at Arizona State. So I, I feel incredibly fortunate to be in that fraternity and to have had some success, and then to continue to meet other offensive line coaches and and hear their ideas and kind of you know how they've been successful. It's it's been really. Exciting, and it I think the thing that I like about it most is what you said is that you almost instantly become friends almost you know and it doesn't matter it's you know what, where, you know whether you're living in Nebraska or New York or Florida or california, you know that that distance doesn't mean a lot it's it almost it's an instant connection, and then I'm excited because i'm going uh, out to Arizona and to la charles's Facility in a couple weeks, you know, and I'm just really excited not only one to learn from him and meet him and his crew, but also to meet all the you know offensive line guys that are going to be there that I've talked with via Twitter. So it's great. It's it's nice to to have those relationships build quickly.
1: Yeah, to me that's been the the biggest thing. I mean, it's like you said, you know, just just being online and, and building the connections and network that you have. You've learned more in one year than maybe you had in, in that amount of, of your career up to that point. I mean, to me, that, that's just the amazing thing, you know, cause I hear kids say it all the time in the classroom, you know, well, I don't know how to do it. Or I, I didn't know that this information was out there. I'm like, dude, that's bull crap. You know, <laughs> you have access to so many resources out there and, and so many people and, and just doing this podcast for a month, the, the number of people we've talked to the amount of knowledge that we've been able to receive and the, the people that we've already helped, to me, it's almost overwhelming. I mean, it's been unbelievable. And I I would help any of these people out. And some of them never even met, but if they needed something, I'd do it, you know?
2: No question. I mean, it's like, I can't tell you, uh, you know, when, when you had asked me if I would be on it, like, I can't even tell you how excited I was. Like to (laughs) me, that's, it's awesome. I was like, heck yeah, man, let's, let's do it. it. Any chance I get to talk offensive line play and football with guys who, who truly care about it. And, to me, and I know you guys are the same way and, and the majority of who we talk to via Twitter and, and, and just around us, it, you know, it's all about helping kids, right? It's not Amen. about uh, us. It's not about me. You know, it's not about you know, what I've accomplished. All I wanna see is success out of kids, right? And, and the kids that I've been training, you know, it hasn't been a ton, but to see you know, the, kind of that light bulb go on in their face Right, like, oh my gosh, like this is so much better. And, and and see the excitement, that's what gives me excitement. That's what I love about it, is being able to pass that stuff down. And I agree, like if somebody's saying that, you know, they can't do something or or I can't find it, then you're just not working hard enough. You know, Amen. then it doesn't it doesn't matter to you enough. And and to me, it matters. Like everything that playing football teaches, if done properly by the right type of coaches. Like, those are things that have stuck with me my entire life. I mean, I've been fired from teaching twice, right? I didn't get to go play in the NFL. These are all things where, you know, adversity is hit. And it is cliche, you know, you get knocked down, you got to get back up. But it has given me the strength to learn how to do that and to overcome obstacles and to, you know, push through when I thought, you know, I, I couldn't right? Or, or how am I going to do this? And you just, you find a way just like you did when you played. So yeah, I I love it, man. I I can't talk enough about it. I, I don't understand people who just like, don't see how it's the greatest sport, but I I also understand if you've never played it, you know, it's, (laughs) it's hard to truly understand what that feeling is like, um, unless you've been in it. And that's not to say you can't be a great coach, you know, you don't have to have played to be a great coach, but it's just, it's just a different kind of feeling. And then within that subset, being an offensive lineman, you know, to me, we're the most selfless people on the field and that that's what life should be about, right? It's not about being selfish and and doing what I can for myself, but it's about being selfless, whether that's as a husband, as a father, as a teacher, as you know, in business, whatever you're doing, it's about you know, creating those bonds and and helping one another to achieve the greatest possible result. You,
0: you couldn't be more right, coach. I, I love that you say that, and I think it's a huge deal and it's it's something that it's important and big that these kids hear. Um, another thing that and kind of drawing from your story, right? You were injured a couple times, you played through it, kind of had mm-hmm. to had to be tough through through injuries, like any offensive lineman that's played for an extended amount of time. And it's something that you know, it, it's, it's tough almost nowadays. you got to tiptoe the line of what you say and what you don't. But um, it used to be, you know, when I was growing up, that was, it was cool to be tough. It was, mm-hmm. you almost, you almost, you didn't want to be hurt. But if you were hurt, it was kind of cool to play through, through a little bit of an injury and say you were tougher than everybody else. And, um, you know, I, I was called by my teammates a, a pretty tough player. And so mm. I really think that benefited me later on in life. Um, being able to tough be tougher than certain people and and that's helped me out in, in everything past football um and I know it's a it's a tough thing to say, and you don't want to tell a kid to play through an injury and I'm not saying that, but um, there's some bit of toughness that you get from football and playing through maybe minor um, yeah sores and pains and stuff that um that just sets you up as, as such a better a better productive person by being able to tough through a small cold and still going to work or tough through a, a long day and still be a good husband and, right. and uh, dad to your kids when you come home.
2: Yeah. It, the thing I, and I'm sure you guys have said this as well, you know, what I try to impart on kids is there's a difference between being hurt and being injured, right? Yeah. You know, if you're hurt is, you know, you dislocated a finger, you, you know, somebody, you know, you've got the Black, you know, somebody stepped on your big toe and it's all black and blue and it hurts like crazy, uh, but you're still able to perform. Whereas being injured, you know, you can't, you can't perform. You tear your ACL, you've got a major shoulder injury, you know, whatever the case may be. So that's how I try to, you know, kind of delineate the two, you know, hurt versus injured. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, I had four knee surgeries in, in college. I've had two back surgeries. I've had my left shoulder replaced. So. um I know it all too well, but to your point, yeah, it's, you've got to find, you've got to teach kids that there is a difference, right? That not everything is the same because it's the same when, when, as you said, when you get out of playing, right, not everything is the same. What are you going to do to separate yourself and being consistent and being there every day and not allowing you know the small things to take you away from whatever that goal is and and to me, and some people may think it 's crazy, but being hurt is a small thing right it 's something that you can absolutely overcome and teach yourself to overcome, but you have to have a willingness to do it right You have to be a willing participant, and unfortunately, not enough i think coaches uh, tend to preach that right that there is this air of of walking that fence. And they're so gun shy that they're afraid to separate those two, the hurt versus injured. Like, what does that look like? And and it's like anything else. It's got to be coached, right? It's got to be taught. You know, how do you, how do you differentiate between the two? Because, and it's not that I don't think kids are, are soft. I just think that they're, if it's like saying, please. And thank you. If you're not taught it, how are you going to know? And so it has to be taught.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, it, it, you said it before, it's it's about kids. And if we're trying to make it about kids and we're trying to improve kids, I think sometimes maybe you have to to put away some of your fear. And if it's something that those kids need to be taught, you know, and it's one thing that I've just, I guess for me, it's just kind of been, you know what, I, I, I care more about kids than I do maybe having to, to, to tote the company line or tote the fence. You know what, I think a kid needs to be taught these things. No, question. Know, the, the, the please and thank yous, the, the things like that, teaching him about toughness, how to overcome adversity. You know, I'll uh, I'll, I'll kind of push the limits there because I ultimately I think that I have a good enough relationship with that kid to tell them and to, to, to be honest with them and, and mm-hmm. to have that that conversation with them. You know, I think once you you build that bond, it becomes real, real easy to be able to give that kid good, sound and solid advice and not really have to worry about the extraneous stuff because it's like, you know what? I want to help this kid more than I want to just sit here and listen to some administrator. Tell me how to live my life.
2: Well, and I think the best part of, uh, of that, you know, to continue with that. And I agree with it wholeheartedly. If kids trust you, right. If they trust that you have your, their best interests at heart, Mm -hmm. then they're more willing to listen. If, If you are willing to admit a mistake or that you were wrong or that, you know, you get information from them to make a, uh, you know, skill acquisition better or uh, a nine on seven better or a scouting report better, then they're going to be way more receptive to you pushing them and, and really taking them to that next level of fighting through those minor aches and pains, or if they're struggling at home, right? If something's going on, if, if they know that, you know, you have their back, then, you know, I, I'll go to war with my offensive line coaches from high school and college because that's, they coached me hard and they pushed us, but man, to this day, if I called up either one of them, they would be there for me. And that to me, you can get away with, I don't, I don't like that because it makes it seem as if we're, you know, hiding something, but you can push that line in terms of, you know, what other coaches may think is or is not acceptable if the players truly believe you're in it for them, and that's what it should be. I mean, if you do that, the wins will come, right? Everything will happen if you do that thing. If you do that first,
1: completely agree, Coach. You said uh, your, your uh, college aligned coach and your high school line coach were, were huge mentors to you. Could you talk a little bit about those two guys? I think you said it was uh, Coach Cazetto at uh, Arizona State, and then Coach Schmidt. Uh, in high school. What, what did those guys bring to the table? And, you know, how, how did that kind of affect, you know, how you grew up, and then maybe some of
2: your coaching style? Uh, with Coach Schmidt, my high school coach, uh, he was the first person that I could have a converse that I felt like I could have a conversation with, and that he valued my opinion, right, that he believed I knew what I was talking about. Um, and, and he, the sharing of ideas was beneficial to us both. Um, you know, he's, he was never a person like we just talked about that, you know, it's my way or the highway. It was, okay, what are you seeing? You know, this is how we're going to attack that. Does that seem viable? And, and, and we would be able to to talk about those things back and forth. I mean, quite honestly, um, uh, I have a stepdad, but, you know, he, he would be like my third dad, you know, that's how close he and I are. He's close to my kids still to this day, cause he, he lives nearby. So you know, it was, it was that true, that really first bond of family for me. Um, and then when I got to Arizona state, um, the thing I, I will always love about Cazetto is when he was recruiting me, it, there was no BS. It wasn't like, Hey, you know, if you signed with us, you're going to start and you know, you're going to do great. It was, look, it, it's hard and it's hot and it's going to be, and I'm going to push you and it's going to be the most <laughs> difficult thing you've ever done. But I will get you ready. And my goal isn't for you to just have success at Arizona State. Your goal and my goal is to get you in the NFL. And and he did. He absolutely pushed us as hard as we could be pushed, but off the field, we could go into his office at any time and talk to him about anything. He was always there and he was always willing to listen. And those two things stuck with me. When I first started coaching, I tried to be too much like Cozetto. Um, Coach Cazetto would, you know, really would get in your face and, and be loud. <laughs> and, you know, it, not like all the time, but it was there was an intensity to it that I hadn't experienced uh, before. And then, so I, tr- I I was trying to be too much like him because I, I wasn't that removed from him. But I, I took the lessons that he he taught us. And then just mold, learned who I was better as a coach and and kind of molded um, that intensity. And then also made sure that I always had my players backs, right? That's, I absolutely learned that from him that, you know, I'll coach you hard on the field, but once we step off the field, you know, whatever you need, I'm here for you. And so I've tried to carry that over um, into how I coach and, and the guys that I coach, but both of them, were huge influences, just not only as me as a football player, but just as a person, right? How do I act? What's the, you know, how do I do this? You know, what's the right way to be, not only with my players, but just in life, right? And that built upon the foundation that my parents gave me.
0: Coach, I'm kind of curious, um, what kind of offense did you guys run while you were at Arizona State?
2: Oh, we were a two-back offense. (laughs) They smashed people. Yeah. um, To give you an idea, in 96, we averaged 242 yards per game rushing. All right. Um, Yeah, we were an ISO team, uh, a counter team, and then sweep. So we didn't run power, but we ran, you know, counter, sweep, ISO. Those were our staples. Play action, sprint out. I mean, Jake didn't. Uh, I played with Jake Plummer. Jake didn't drop back, you know, and throw the ball 30, 35 times a game. Um, It was somewhere between 20 and 25, maybe a little bit higher, but really more 20, 25. But we were, you know, we had three, four running backs. So we were, we're going to run the football and we're going to run it right down your throat. And either you're going to stop us or you're not. And ultimately in 96, not very many people could stop us. (laughs)
0: That's a fun feeling to have. I, we, we kinda run we run you know, and when I was in college we were spread, throw it around all, mm-hmm. all over the yard and now where I coach, we're we're in the eye and, and we're running power and counter and, and stuff and for whatever reason, it's just a little bit more fun when you when you really get after someone and, and they just can't stop you and you impose your will on them and win a game like that. Just a little bit more fun.
2: Well, no question. Uh, so first first grade as ninety six was and and you know, great wins. We beat U of A 56 to 14. We beat Nebraska. The things that I've already talked about. One of the my favorite games of my career was the 97 Sun Bowl playing in Iowa. Uh, so our starting quarterback ended up uh, – Jake had graduated, and we had a redshirt freshman who blew out his knee in the U of A game, the last regular season game. And so we had our backup quarterback playing in the Sun Bowl. We threw the ball – we had 72 plays – 11 of them were throws, 61 were runs, and we just, (laughs) we beat them 17-7, and they are running back, are starting running back, had 169 yards rushing, you know, they just, they couldn't, they couldn't get stops, enough stops to to do anything, it it was one of the best games that I still uh, remember, it was amazing, I I love it, Um, and then when I started coaching, we were actually uh, a two-back team at Edison and then ended up moving more to a spread because our, our quarterback was like five 11. So we ended up, you know, spreading the field and doing all that. And, and they've stayed uh, in that spread um, for the majority of uh, um, since then. Um, but yeah, I, we were a, a two back smash mouth play action team. And then, you know, Jake being special just, you know, would make things happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so, always nice to have those guys. Oh I- yeah.
2: I've I've met Snake a couple
1: times. He's actually really good buddies with with Coach Mulaney, uh on on our side. So, oh
2: nice.
1: You, you talk about. I mean, what what an interesting dude. But I mean, as an offensive lineman, how how nice is it to have, you know, a quarterback that's not some prima donna dude, but kind of one of the guys. It seems like, you know, is is going to be tough. Is going to go make plays. Is going to be an encourager and a leader in that huddle. Talk a little bit about kind of his style when you when you played with him and having a QB like that.
2: Well, we both came in in 93, and I redshirted, and then he ended up getting the starting job a little less than midway through because our starting quarterback had gotten hurt. And so I I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with him as a freshman, Um, but then when I first – when I was getting rotated in in 94 and really got to listen to him in the huddle and, and just look at him, and you saw the focus on his face and how important it was for him to do well, but not him personally, just the offense to do well, because he knew he was, you know, the quote unquote captain of that offense. It, 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 for as competitive as I am and was, he is one of the most competitive people I've ever met in my life. Um, he would play, you know, full court, man-to-man defense, uh, just playing rec basketball, <laughs> um, you know, he grew up with two older brothers, so he'd play handball and racquetball and you know, and everything he did was competing against his older brothers. So I, I learned from him how to be more competitive, and I didn't think that was possible from where I was. But then also how to focus it right, not to be that way all the time per se. And he was; he was just, and he still is. He's just—he's one of the guys. You know, he yeah. doesn't look at himself as oh, I'm the quarterback and I'm more special or, you know, you guys have to, you know, do everything that I say and this and that. He just, he ingratiated himself to those, you know, that worked to protect him and to make him, you know, what he would say look good, you know, the receivers and the running backs and all of that. He he was a part of the offense. He didn't see himself as the quarterback of the offense. He just, he was a cog, you know, at, that ran the offense. That's how he, he saw it. And to this day, um, you know, he's still a really good friend of mine and he's just, he's such a laid back guy. It's great. You know, it's, I could not see him for 10 years first and then see him and it would be like no time had passed. Um, he just, and he he had a really great way of making sure that we worked our tails off and we were doing everything possible but then also could liven up the huddle, right? Get us to relax. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories. It's a, it's a little gross, but um, <laughs> it, it, we were we were in the huddle uh, on a Thursday, and our Thursday practices is what we used to we as a as players called it perfect Thursday. So no pads, right? Um, you're not banging, but you're going through your script, and you're doing you know your two minute, and it's full speed to a, to a degree. You guys know what I'm talking about. So and it was a big game. I don't remember what week it was, but you know, the offense had been sputtering a little bit in practice and we were all kind of jacked and, and he comes into the huddle and he grabs, uh, he grabs his balls, squeezes them. And then, and nobody had seen it. And he goes, Hey guys, have you seen the brains of the operation? (laughs) it's just and it's it just totally made everybody crack up and relax right he just, had a, he just had a great way and i'm sure he'll kill me for telling that story but um okay, he just had a great way of you know knowing what buttons we needed pushed when we needed when he needed to get in our face he would and then when he when he saw that we needed to you know calm down and relax he he knew how to do that as well so I learned a lot from him, and not when I was in it. I didn't realize I was learning a lot from him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Until I started really coaching and understanding the buttons he pushed, I was like, "Oh, wow, okay." And then I was able to, you know, learn to apply those things um, that I had learned from him uh, to to the guys I coached.
0: It's crazy what a good quarterback that that acts, you know, like you said, the right way um, as a part of one of the guys, as a part of the team. What they can get you to do for them, um, you know. I got to play with with Case Keenum for a year, and nice. he went out there and and played, and it was like you didn't want to let you didn't want to let the quarterback down. You didn't want to slow him down. You knew he was so good that you know you were almost playing for him uh, because he was a good guy and he was so good. So. Um, it's really cool to see what a quarterback can do um, that is a humble, a good person, and that also is a really good quarterback. Um, you know, you don't want to let those guys down. And like you said, they know all the buttons to push to, to get their team to to do what, what they need to do. And, and you have a lot of faith that when when the chips are down that they're going to pull you through it. And I think that makes your team obviously that much better when you, when you've got a guy like that.
2: No question and and I was super fortunate you know that the Arizona State team particularly the last two years that I was there just had not only incredible football players but just really good people right really good dude um, and there's so many to name but I mean just I mean obviously most people know about Pat um, Tillman and, and what kind of guy he was but that was not to say that we were all like Pat um, but that what kind of he what pat brought one of the guys what jake brought one of the guys it just everybody just did their role right everybody played within what they were supposed to do but ultimately just really good people like you know i mean we've got not you know we've got teachers and coaches and you know swat officers and we've got um you know just orthopedic surgeons you know there's just it really runs the gamut uh, of the guys that I played with, they're just really good people. And I think, you know, back to the, you know, when what we were talking about earlier, if you, if you have everybody pulling for a common goal, right. And, and they, everybody is doing their job and they're in it together, right. To be the best that you can be, but do things the right way. The winning just takes care of itself.
1: Dude, there's no doubt. And I was going to ask you about uh, Pat Tillman, Mm -hmm. just because I mean, uh, Honestly, you know, when when all the stuff went down, and and I, I watched the funeral live, and and literally, it's one of the few times I, I've cried as a man, mm-hmm. just because I mean the the stuff that that he stood for. I mean, he he made you really, really sit there and consider what what am I doing with my life, you know? And and the the impact I think he had on on so many people, and for him, you know, he just he would say, I'm sure, hey, I, I was just doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but. I, I think for me, he, he honestly would be one of my top five heroes and I never met the guy. So uh, I've always kind of been interested, I guess, to be able to ask you, you know, what, what was he like? You know, what, what were some of the, the things you remember about that guy? Because I tell you what, he had, a, he had a tremendous impact on my life.
2: He had a tremendous impact on mine. I, much like Jake, you know, the, the thing that was great about Pat was he was more than just a football guy, you know. He was he graduated in three and a half years. He would he uh, when we would travel for away games, he would have a massive. He had this big book of of quotes that he would read through. You know, he was incredibly well read. Um, but at the same time, like when you hung out with him, he was just one of the guys. He was you know he would like us swear all the time and you know just be a dude, right? Be a, a eighteen nineteen twenty year old guy, but the relentlessness that he went after what he wanted was something that I was just like, I've never seen anything like that before. Um, He just, he had things he wanted to accomplish. And when he set his mind to something, that's what he was going to do. And I think the greatest thing about Pat, you know, yes, his courage, yes, his uh, willingness to help others. Um, But he never made you feel that you had to be like him, right? Be the best version of yourself, whatever that is. You know, you don't have to be like me, right? Just be the best version of yourself. Um, It was really hard for me uh, because he passed away in 2004, uh, April 22nd. I was actually married on May 1st so of that year. Um, I actually didn't get to go to the funeral. Because uh, I was on my honeymoon, um, I, I seriously contemplated not going. Uh, but obviously, uh, we had already had things booked and 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 whatnot. Um, but I, I remember exactly where I was when I found out. I was driving um, to work. I heard it on the radio, and I was just stunned. You know, um, and even to this day, there are certain things, you know, certain military things that I see that I'll break down and cry because you know it's for me you know, I lost a friend, you know, somebody mm-hmm. that, uh, was meant a lot to me, you know, just that friendship. I mean, I, to this day in my phone, I, I have his phone number, you know, I won't ever get rid of it just cause I, I just can't, you know, I just, I, I refuse to do that. And, and because, um, of the great things he did, I've been, you know, super fortunate, uh, to be to be a, alongside of him for some of the things that have taken place at Arizona state. So, um, and I, and I don't talk about this a lot cause I, I think you guys would agree as offensive linemen, we don't necessarily talk about ourselves. That's just kind of how it is. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. my my av- my Twitter avatar is actually uh, a picture of our captain's pick, um, from 1997. That's now forever on the new football facility. So that's, that's the wall leading to the field. Um, Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, You know, and, and look, they, they put it there obviously because of of Pat, Pat's front and center and and rightfully so I just feel, you know, incredibly honored to be alongside him um, with that group of, of men that are in the picture, but you know, to be, in perpetuity on the, the wall at the, at the college I played at, it's pretty cool, you know? And, and again, that just, it's not for as great, again, for, for as awesome as a person as he was, he didn't, you know, he, he was intelligent and a lot of guys on that team were intelligent and it was just great to, we could talk football and we would, but we could talk about a bunch of different things, you know, with each other. And and it was just, you know, just an open space to have, you know, great conversations and, and riff on each other and give each other a hard time. But, I mean, just a, his mentality was, hey, I got things I want to accomplish. This is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to go and achieve it. Um, in fact, when he first came into Arizona State, which was 94, so my second year, uh, there was a discussion about him redshirting. And he had talked to our head Coach, Bruce Snyder, and was like, yeah, I, I'm not doing that. I, got, <laughs> I remember I that story. Plan. I do. Yeah. I got a plan. I want to be done in four years, so I'm not, I'm not really that interested in redshirting. And he was put <laughs> on special teams and, um, you know, and, and started making plays from there. I think what's super impressive about Pat is if you went back and watched film of him when he played. So not only, you know, he was the Pac-12, Pac-10, now Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year uh, in 97, he was also, 96, 97, one of our leaders in special teams tackles.
1: Yeah, dude, he, he epitomized, I mean, to me, everything that that a, a man should try to be. I remember when, when I had kind of gotten into to coaching after that because, you know, 2004 was when I was kind of getting my start. So mm-hmm. that, that was why it had such an impact on me because – you know, you always were kind of saying it, it is going to be about the kids. It is going to be about the men you raise, And and that was one of the, the first things I would put up in my meetings. Like this is who you guys should strive to be like,
2: you know, yeah. this is, this is a
1: guy that, that, that loved his teammates. This is a guy that loved his country. And if, you know, if, if all I'm teaching you guys is football, I'm doing you guys a disservice. So like I said, man, it was, it was, it was a huge thing for me to, to be able to kind of study his life and, and see all the things on there, And I knew once we'd have you on, I wanted to hear some of your
2: uh, your insight on it. It's awesome. Um, and it, I mean, you had the book of quotes. One of the, my favorite things to do, and this is not just with him, but in general with with that group of guys, is uh, so Arizona State. Uh, they don't go up for as long as anymore, but we go up. We went up to a place called Camp Tonazona, which is in Payson, Arizona, or just outside of Payson. Um, it's about two hours north of Tempe uh, and we'd spend 10, day the, ten days there. Uh, and one of my favorite things to do is we would, uh, after dinner and our last meeting, you know, we would just, it was up in the woods. So we would, we had basically like a log cabin. Um, and we would just sit out on the porch and, and you know, and, and BS back and forth and have conversations and talk about different things. And kind of like what we're doing here, there, it was incredibly organic. Right. You just kind of be on one topic and all of a sudden you're on another topic and all of a sudden, you know, an hour, two hours has gone by. Um, for me personally, you know, Pat, Jake, and just that whole group of, of guys, it was such an eclectic mix of personalities that just worked really well together. And I think the key for that is because nobody, nobody was bigger than the program, right? Nobody was trying to be the guy. Everybody just wanted to, you know, come 96 and 97, everybody just wanted to win football games. And then they're all, you know, smart guys on top of it. So it, it was great to be around other guys that while football is important and it's something that they love to do, they had other things that mattered to them rather than just football.
0: Um, yeah, that's exactly right, coach. And, and, um, you know, over at Arizona state in the past few years, I haven't been the biggest fan of of some <laughs> of the coaches they've had, uh, they've had there, but the, the one thing I can say, I think it just was an unbelievable thing they did was, you know, the tunnel and everything they did to show, to show the players now, you know, something, something to strive for and something to want to be like, I think that's a, a really cool thing. And, and I'm sure, like you said, that'd be pretty awesome to, to get to go up there, walk through that tunnel and see yourself out there next to the other captains.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, I haven't been yet. So um, when I go to Arizona in a couple of weeks, it'll be my first opportunity to be there live. So, uh, or in person, I should say. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited about that. It, it's a, it's a crazy thing, man. It's um, I just, I feel incredibly fortunate that I had the opportunity. I'm, I'm like you, you know, I did, not everything that we have done over there has thrilled me. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so <laughs> um, I do think uh, with the recruiting class we have this year, we're starting to get back to the type of offensive lineman I like, um, you know, and we've had guys um, individually who have been, uh, you know, the nasty, um, you know do whatever it takes to to be successful guys Um, but I think they're starting to really from what I can tell really focus on that the mentality that they want their offensive linemen to have like we're just talking about now but more importantly I don't know that we've always recruited guys that truly love football right that it is important to them you know and that's not to say you have to it has to be all-encompassing and the only thing you care about but man when you're doing it it's way too hard not to do it with passion and if you're not going to do it with passion and a love and it then why are you doing it and Uh, that's what i yeah i mean that's just kind of what i i I feel like has been hit or miss at arizona state lately
0: and that's not talked about nearly enough in my opinion you know you get some guys and that's in coaching as well find Mm -hmm. some guys that love football and and you know obviously in playing, they've got to have some ability, but find some guys that love football, and they're going to take you a long ways. And Coach Walls, I think you've studied a little bit more than I have, but uh, seems like that's kind of what Coach Frost did uh, in Florida, and and hopefully now bring to Nebraska for you. But seems like that's kind of what was the way he he paved his way through uh, recruiting.
2: Yeah. yeah he, oh, go ahead, Brady.
1: I was just saying, he it seemed like he found guys, and he's like, well, we got a shortened timeline. So he's like, I'm not going to mess around. They call them all the hat guys. You know, we're not going to mess around with hat guys. And guys are going to wait till the end. He's like, I don't have time for that. So he's like, I'm going to find, you know, guys that we've evaluated. We think they can play. And then we'll see how interested they are. And once he could kind of tell, okay, they're interested. Then he, he wanted to really test them on how bad do they love football? Are you guys just going to love and write down all the offers you get on Twitter? Or do you guys actually really, really love football and want to work hard and win?
2: It's interesting that you say that. Um, So, you know, I was recruited and shown my age a little bit. So I was recruited in 92, 93. Um, And Cazetto, uh, I used to, I asked him once, you know, we got when I got to Arizona state, you know, Hey, when I got a little bit older, obviously not when I was a, a freshman, I kept my mouth shut. When <laughs> I was a, it's
1: probably uh,
2: no, it, it, I, the stories I could tell you about some of the funny quotes that that guy has said is <laughs> unbelievable as I'm sure we all have them. Um, but I had asked him, you know, Hey, when you're recruiting guys, what are you looking for? He said the two things that he, that were most important to him were, do you love it? And what kind of teammate are you? Everything else? I mean, obviously, again, right? There's got to wow. be a level of talent there. Sure. But he, he, was, he had a, has such a strong belief that he can coach you the right way and get you to be what you need to be if you love the game and you're a great teammate. If you weren't those two things, he didn't bother with you. didn't matter how good you were. didn't matter how talented you were. If you didn't love it and you weren't a good teammate, he wasn't interested in you.
0: Well, perfect example, right? Walls is, is the guy at UCF, the player, the defensive player. I can't believe I'm it's um a blank in my name right now, but
2: Shakeem Griffin.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, unbelievable. Just loves football, wants to play, doesn't matter what anyone else has to say about it. He he wants to be great at football.
2: Yeah, it, it, and it's so funny um or interesting for me because, you know, we played uh, Scott was the quarterback of that 96 yeah. team. Uh, yeah. so uh it's interesting to see his evolution from you know, player to coach. And I, I and I'm really, I think he's an unbelievable coach. And I think yeah. nothing demonstrates that more than how he handled himself and how, he, and how UCF played you know, after he, they knew he was going to be going to Nebraska. Right? And, and that goes back to what we said at the very beginning. If the kids know, the athletes know that you care and that they are important to you as individuals, they'll run through any wall they can for you. And that and UCF did. I mean, they. I could watch that team play, and and you know, I'm I know you are, Brady. I'm I'm not. I'm not a Nebraska fan, but I will be. <laughs> <laughs> but I will be cheering for them to have success because I just think, you know, Scott's an unbelievable football coach and and does those things that we've been talking about.
0: That was yeah, the greatest part, wasn't it? That right? I mean, the kids that you know—they let them come back and coach in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm a kid, you know, what I was thinking when they were saying Frost wanted to come back, I was thinking as a player, I'd have been like, "Yeah, whatever. No one wants you back, right?" But obviously, right. those kids did and worked their butts off for him. That was the most telling part of all.
2: Well, and I and I think it's to to what you're saying. I think he was honest with them. Right? He was look this is what i'm doing they understood that he you know he didn't try to hide it from them, from at least from an outside perspective looking in right obviously not not being in the meeting room but that's i mean for me it came through the television right their their desire to play for one another and to play for him came through the television it was important to them and to me that's all because he did the right things and and he was honest with them and you know, he, he wasn't trying to, it, it wasn't about Scott Frost. It was about them having success exactly. and, and that. And I don't care if it's pop Warner high school, you know, college, the NFL. I mean, look, look what the Eagles have done for Doug Peterson, right? I mean, yeah. all the injuries they've battled through and, and the adversity they've battled through, but yet, because I don't know if you guys saw it, you saw that uh, the video where Nick Foles actually called Philly special, yeah. I did. I did see that. Yeah. You know, to have – to give the power to your quarterback and to the athlete, you know, to, to be able to make a call and then you go with that call and then that call is successful, That's. Co- I mean, that to me is everything coaching should be.
1: I, I, just, I love, just love listening to this conversation. I mean, li- listening to you, <laughs> Coach, Coach Murphy, seriously talk about, you know, your team – in 96 and 97, I, I could feel it coming through my computer and my headset. I'm like oh, I appreciate it. But I'm just saying, those guys loved each other. You could oh. tell you guys played for each other. You played for your coaches. All that stuff comes together in the perfect mix. You know, talking about Frost at UCF, it all comes together in that, that perfect mix. And, I mean, to me, that, that's the, the passion and that feeling that keeps you coming back as a coach. You know, getting a group of people to all buy into one thing and then ultimately seeing it pay off it's
2: awesome. It's yeah. I mean, the the word that you said that I I will forever agree with is love, you know, and and I know for, I think a lot of people who aren't coaches or, or haven't played, it seems like a, a weird word, right. In in terms of this, you know, inherently violent sport that, that takes a lot of your time and effort and beats up your body. But yeah, I mean, those are, I love those guys. You know, if, if those guys call me up and say, Hey, you know, I need X, Y, Z, whatever I can do to, to help ease their pain or help them in any way, I'll do it in a heartbeat. Um, Cause ultimately the game's going to end, right? The game, the games are going to end. So what, what's, what are you trying to accomplish? And, and, you know, for me and for those guys, it was about building that family, building that brotherhood. And then that brotherhood, you know, has, obviously offshooted, you know, talking to you guys, talking to other coaches and and being with like-minded people that care about kids that are trying to improve society through football. I mean, that, that, uh, I don't know. I I don't know how people who don't watch, like people who don't like sports, like, uh, it's hard for me to even fathom. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's just been such a big part of my life, and as we talked about it again at the beginning, is all the lessons it taught me. That you know, again, I don't remember every win or every practice, but I remember the feeling, right? I mean, one of the things we used to do at Arizona State is this was before you know a dynamic warm up where you're you know moving and stretching. We would sit, uh, and as we were stretching, uh, our wide receiver's name is Kenny Mitchell uh, would sing. Um, Uh, tainted love. You guys know that song? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know, the the parts were, you know, tainted love and then everybody claps. So he would sing and then the whole team would do the clapping part and then he would continue to sing. And then the whole team would do the clapping part, you know? So it's just, it was a fun way. And that had nothing to do with football. It's just us being goofy and ridiculous, but you know, made us closer as a, as a group. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm sure there are those who find it silly and it's just a game, but I think, you know, as we've discussed over this, you know, this last hour, it's, it's more than that.
0: Yeah. But I,
2: I, go ahead. I was just going to
1: say, you know, and, and it's kind of come to the forefront in the, the state you live in, you know, sure. there's, there's, there is a faction of people out there attacking the game of football and obviously they don't uh, understand it in the, the level that we understand it, but, the, the, for them to just be able to dismiss all the, the positive things that this game has done for millions and millions of people is, is the part that, that I just can't fathom. You're going to try to take something away and make it extinct when, in all honesty, yeah, there's been some bad things that have happened to some people. But mm-hmm. there's been millions and millions of success stories. And you, you you've have outlined one the, the last hour with us. I mean, how does that make you feel that, that that's kind of going on in the
2: state of California? Uh, I mean, obviously, it hurts, right? Because it is a game I love. Um, I, I think it's important, just as we've talked about being honest with the kids. I think it's also important to be honest with those um, who who don't understand it, and and that honesty is 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 it. I, I tend not to use the word safer, um, just because it's an inherently violent game. Um, that it isn't necessarily safe. That said, it does the thing, the, the coaching techniques and fundamentals, the practice restrictions, um, the way that we're more knowledgeable as coaches, right? Um, you know, if you think back to the 50s and 60s, you know, no water and you know, all, you know, <laughs> three right. hours and three a days and all of this, that, uh, and the other thing. So uh, I get that perspective, but if you're honest and say, look, yes, it's risky. And and it was actually my wife who made the great point. There's a, there's a massive difference between brain damage and brain mm-hmm. injury, right? Like injury, like you bunk your head, that's a brain injury, right? You hit your head. You've, you've, the brain is now sloshed around and, and who's to say, you know, what variables are attributed, you know, to CTE and, you know, other uh, injuries or or damage to the brain. But I think to simply make the link that if you play football at this age, right before high school, that you are guaranteed of getting brain damage, I think is silly. It's it's ridiculous. There's, there's too much evidence in terms of individuals who have no issue to say that it's 100% guaranteed. And uh, what other variables attribute are attributed to that, right? What other, you know, either DNA markers or, you know, lifestyle, you know, and that's not, neg- and that's not to say negative lifestyle, that's just, you know, what other things may contribute to it. And, exactly. And, and things don't get better by simply banning them, right? Just cause you ban something doesn't mean it's going to improve. I mean, maybe not the best analogy, but prohibition was banned, right? Alcohol was banned, right? <laughs> and, yeah. that, and, and people will find ways around it. And, and with football, I think if you were to ban it, then people are going to find other ways within football to play it. What we want is more education and if more trainers and better uh, officials and make sure the coaches are teaching the, you know, the right techniques and fundamentals, not just say, OK, well, you're not going to play anything until you're 14. And now the first time you're going to tackle as a freshman, like it, that's got to be up to the parent. I mean, I, I didn't play till eighth grade because my mom was scared of it. And then I just got to be too big. To where I really <laughs> Mom, play. Mom, I'm playing. Too bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, the story behind that is, as I was actually playing soccer uh, in in one game, and I uh, somebody kicked the ball directly in my face on purpose on a face off, and then so the next time we played that team, that same person went up for a header, and I threw him down by the face. So. <laughs> But I think it was a clear indication that it's time for uh, Kyle to play a different sport, um, and football would be that. But I mean, let's let's work together, right? Let's work together to make it uh, to put things in place so that we can, as much as possible, eliminate um, the brain damage. Right? It's still yeah. risky, and it's still going to be risky. But you know, as we, again as we've talked about. I've had seven surgeries and, and I don't feel any effects in my brain. I don't feel like, um, I'm not, that, uh, that it's, I'm altered in that way, but people ask me all the time, would you go back and play again, knowing what you know now? A hundred percent, thousand percent. Like I, I, no hesitation. I would go back and play in a heartbeat. The things that it's given me as we've outlined way greater to me than the risk and and look was there a risk? Yeah, we all read the warning sticker. Clearly, it's you know we're putting yeah. something on our head and we're hitting people. Like well, you got to be a little bit off just to do that naturally. <laughs> uh, you know that's just <laughs> yeah. that's the way it is. But to just take it away, I, I don't. I, I honestly don't agree with that. But I'm going to continue on Twitter to you know retweet and to pass along and read information. I you know, as I'm sure you guys do, it's not, you know, a blind faith. I read things and I take that into consideration, any comment I make, but I'm also not going to try to convince, you know, there's a couple parents that I've uh, interacted with on Twitter regarding this that are, you know, that want to ban it up before 14. I'm not going to convince them, right. Yeah. That it that it should be, the parents' choice, and they're not going to convince me that it should be banned. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with waiting, but that's my personal decision and my, fan, and my wife's decision. I don't want to make that decision for other people. and I certainly don't want the option to be gone altogether. That, I don't like that at all
1: yeah to me, it's just you know it's 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 not American <laughs> you know <I> mean, <laughs> it's the it's it's the founding founding of our our is based on that you know we we have a bill of rights, we have some freedoms, and the more that you keep taking these things away, i mean where where do we stop and that's what what really scares me as as a citizen and then obviously as a coach and someone who has a vested interest in this you know, let's, let's leave it to our people to, to get educated on it and let's let them make an educated decision. You know, we ask them to vote for elections. We ask them to, to, to make smart decisions on, on the basis of their, their own education, whatever
2: it might be. You know, let's, let's trust our citizens to do that, not make the choice for them. And and I agree. And I think part of, you know, the, the issue for me with that decision making is, is you're saying not you, but yeah, the fight, the those who want to ban it is, well, you know, the NFL covered up CTE and, and, you know, they weren't honest with it. Right. But that's no longer the case, right? Any parent can get on the internet as we, I mean, Brady, as you said it, whether you're a student or whether you're a parent, if if you're too lazy, right. To then to go look, to protect your child who, you know, who hopefully that's your number one goal, right. Is, to protect your kid, but make an informed informed decision. Let's not just say that, oh, you know, NFL lied. And so, you know, people don't know what decisions they're making. Come on. If, if we're going to just make decisions for everybody, well, then I, I, I don't want somebody coming in my house and making decisions for me. Right. And, and one of the, one of the pros that they would say, you know, is like, well, you know, six, seven, eight-year-olds can't make that decision. Well, right, but you're also not. <laughs> are you walking around and saying, "Hey, what music are you listening to? Hey, you know, what food are you putting in your body? You know, I mean, fast food obesity is, kills more people than football does. You oh, know, it's, I, and 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 and, I, and this has been outlined on Twitter as well. I mean. You know, you got, you have soccer, you have, you know, cheerleading, you have hockey and lacrosse. I mean, all of these have an inherent risk to them. What I don't like seeing, you know, is people who are making the comment that you, the whole goal is to, you know, fly, you know, fling yourself at somebody's head and, and make helmet to helmet contact. And I'm like, really? <laughs> this is like, yeah, that, that's exactly
1: that, what all of us are teaching. Just, yeah, instantly, you know, Hey, get yeah, the guy with the top of your head as hard as you can. All right.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then we'll see what happens after that. It's just, yeah. that's what infuriates me is I, I'm open to having a discussion about it because look, clearly not everybody thinks, you know, the way we do and that's okay. And that's fine. But if the answer is simply to ban rather than to have an honest discussion, then I'm, I'm not going to engage in that in trying to convince people otherwise. And, and it's on both sides, right? It's, we, we as coaches have to be willing to have the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, uh, taking emotion out of it to some degree, just as those who want to ban it, in my opinion, need to listen to coaches and take the emotion out of it. It's just, it's hard, right? It, two of the parents I've seen are two moms who have lost their kids. Well, you have intrinsic bias there. Right. Yeah. It, there's, and it's, and it's not something that they're necessarily, you know, going in and saying, I, you know, I have this bias, but look, you lose a kid that alters you. Right. I, and I've been obviously very lucky. I, you know, I have two kids and they're healthy and I'm, I feel very fortunate about that. But like if something were to happen to them, uh, I, that's going to change how I feel. And there is a bias attached with that. That's why you know we're not going to convince you know those moms that under fourteen is a good idea. They've lost their kids, and and that's awful, right? There's there's that's just awful. But at the same time, I don't. I think more education is what's necessary. Share your story, and maybe that makes a parent decide not to play football. That's okay too. And I think that's where we have to be as coaches, because I've had uh, kids on campus who will say, I bet you want everybody to play football. And I look at them, I go, no, No. I don't, (laughs) I don't want everybody to play football. I go, it's it's really hard. Right. (laughs) And it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. I said, I only want those who, who want to play. And if a parent decides, Hey, I don't want my kid to play football. uh, Okay. I don't necessarily agree with that decision, but that's their right to make it as a parent. You know, but let's be, as, as we've talked about, let's be informed. Let's not just go off of emotion and let's, you know, it, it make these proclamations that if you play football, you're going to have brain damage. Like that uh, that infuriates me more than anything.
0: Coach, you make, you make some yeah, great experience. points. And, 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 yeah, those, I mean, obviously really well thought out and, and great points. Um, I have a great point.
2: That I can get this <laughs> off of. That's
0: It <laughs> that helps a lot, doesn't? Yeah, much it? smarter person. <laughs> um, kind of starting to wrap it up a little yeah. bit. Getting uh, a little bit late for us in the in the uh, central time zone. <laughs> uh, um, uh, just trying to giving you a, a little bit of, of an own plug. Your own plug. I know you said that you were working with offense alignment now. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you doing with that? Uh, where are you guys set up, and and, and what are you doing?
2: Um, uh, I don't have a facility. Um, What I do right now uh, is I've been helping out uh, uh, Tom Blazer. Tom is on Twitter at uh, Senior Blazer. He's the offensive line coach at Cypress High School in uh, Cypress, California, Uh, just uh, probably about 10-15 minutes from where my uh, school is that I teach at. So I help him Uh, two days a week and we're taking you know we're just starting from the very beginning stance uh, drive catch um, and that's kind of where we are right now we're just at the beginning and then on an individual basis uh, I'll work with kids so actually the uh, starting is not starting yet but uh, there's a kid named Mike Cefal Mike plays at Cal Uh, he's number 53 Uh, I've worked with I worked with him from last January Oh, I've known him for two years, but from last January to June before he left. So I I worked with him one-on-one. And then uh, one of the guys I played with at Arizona State, I'm working with his son. um, And and same idea, just working, you know, from the very beginning, the very foundation of stance, uh, drive catch, and then, you know, just build off of that. Uh, So I'm working it's more of an individual basis because of the kids that Mike, my own kids uh, are eight and five and I take care of, I get them in the afternoon because of my wife's uh, job. Um, And and so my goal hopefully is I I would like down the road to have to train kids full time. um, But we'll see how it goes. Uh, I enjoy, uh, the training allows me to keep my toe in coaching but not have to expend all the time, you know, of wow. practices and, uh, off season and that. So, but I really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it's again, watching kids have that light bulb come on and see it in their face and just really excited about learning more, man, that's, that's everything. So, um, that's kind of what I'm doing.
1: Well, Coach, man, it's been a it's been a joy having you on, and oh, I, I, I think it. anyone I think anyone would be uh, be lucky to work with you. Like I said, you you can just really feel your, your passion, your excitement, you know, your your desire to to go and, and learn other things and meet new people. I think a uh, a lot of kids out there in in the uh, California era would really really benefit working with you. So it's been a joy having you on, man. Oh,
2: I really appreciate it, guys. I mean, I'm happy that you guys started the podcast i'm happy it's doing so well Uh, i'm happy to have you know first met you on twitter and now getting to talk to you so um anything i can ever do for you guys don't hesitate Uh, if you ever come out to socal please make sure you let me know because i'd love to to catch up and and talk in person but uh, i really appreciate the opportunity guys
0: and that's going to do it for this episode of rtp we want to again thank our sponsors powerlift audible Team Attack Academy. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast stack. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at coachbradywalls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.